Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, you've returned from Hoagie Nation last week. It was a great show. Yeah, good really, time. It, it was a great time. The, sh- the acts were great from beginning to end. They sh- this is the second year of it. This thing's going to go strong. It's going to become a, a big, big deal. The best part, though, besides the music, was the food trucks. They had like all I'm a, I'm this a big food truck fan, so you could talk that all day. These were amazing food trucks. Like everything we ate was great. Oh, look, I know we're the a sport- fifteen dollar beers I could do. I know that. we're a sports show, but I could talk food trucks all day long. <laughs> so I'm going to get off that quickly. Uh, quiet week in Philly sports, right? Nothing going on. Not I don't much. think there's anything going on today. Not, not boring. Much. Go, not much happening. I don't know. know. Keith, are you there? No, not not yet. Oh. He's going to be joining us. We're going to be joined by Keith Pompey in a minute to. Talk a little Sixers news because, um, Jeff, you like Twitter. Um, eh, um, I, I, I like it for fun stuff. I don't like it for fake stuff. You don't like it? <laughs> no, I don't, I, don't, I don't like it for controversial stuff because it brings out the worst in people because they think they're anonymous. Well, apparently so they're it's not. Like, it's like getting beer muscles. <clears throat> they get Twitter muscles. Apparently they're not. And, uh, We've got Keith Pompey on the line. Keith, how are you doing today? Wait, before you ask him the question, are you, are you calling from your regular phone or are you calling from a burner phone? Uh, you might as well call it a burner phone because I never, I never use my house phone. So like when I, when I gave it to you, I had to look up the number on my cell phone in order to give it to you. So I guess, yeah, this is the burner phone. I'm glad to know that somebody else doesn't know any of their phone numbers. I thought I was alone with that. Oh, um, man. I'm like, we'll go places. Like, sir, can I get your house phone number? And I'm like, uh, hold on for a second. Yeah, let me <laughs> let me look it up real fast. Yeah, by the yeah, way, Keith, Keith, that means that you're no longer young. If, if, <laughs> if the fact that you have a home phone means that you're not part of the hip young generation. Jeff, well, you want to know why? Because we got, I, got the, I have the bundle. So I uh, have the... Uh, I have the cable, the phone, and the um, the, the home security all hooked up on one. Keith, you got to so understand. One, so that's the only reason. Jeff's <laughs> trying to overcompensate because last, uh, last week's show, Stop. he threw his AARP card out on the table to let us know where he was standing right now. So he's oh, just, okay. he's just it, sort of, it wasn't an Ohio State one? Yeah, he's just sort Oh, of, <laughs> that hurts. Next, <laughs> but by the way, since, since you're the basketball guy, Please, before we get to the the local news, please tell me that the Pistons are not going to bring in John Beeline as their head coach. Uh, oh. They are not going to bring in John Beeline as their head coach. I ruined, if I was John Beeline, I wouldn't take that job. I ruined That's Jeff's afternoon when I told him that he apparently interviewed yesterday with the, the team. The, 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 the uh, Michigan alumni community is freaking out. I, I'm guessing if you had your choice of Jim Harbaugh leaves or Beeline leaves, that more people would say, we don't want Beeline to leave. All right. Well, we'll have Keith back another week to talk about that. But we've got some crazy news here. Keith, I thought it'd be a quiet week. The finals are going to start. Got the draft coming up. And all of a sudden, I find out that um, Brian Colangelo or somebody around him has been rather busy on social media. Can you explain to our listeners what has happened in the last few days? Where do I begin? It's been crazy. I mean, it really has. Like, okay, so uh, apparently, if it's not Brian Colangelo, or let's just say Brian Colangelo has allegedly has five uh, anonymous Twitter accounts <laughs> where he where he interacts with the media members. Um, he 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 talks. He 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 discloses team information. 
and he and he talks negatively um, about players in the teams and and Brett Brown and, and and so so on and so forth. And you know, recently some people have you know people are trying to get numbers, and some people have like linked his wife to it. You know, or or they they assume or or they. They are a legend that his wife did it. You know, you have to be careful so you don't get sued. Yeah. So they're a legend that his wife did it. And, you know, in, in a report, uh, Colangelo admitted that uh, to – he admitted that he has been talking to the team in regards to, um, you know, his wife. You know, not he's not saying – he didn't say that he did it, but it was just – it was brought up that is his wife involved, and he, he addressed that with the, with the 76ers. Yeah. And that came so from apparently situation. that was hmm? discovered because the recovery phone number for the Twitter accounts apparently had the same last digits as her cell phone number or as her yeah, phone and, number. Yeah, and you know what? And, and again, and, and the reason why here's the reason why I didn't write it or I was you know I didn't write that is because you know I would have to see her whole phone number. Yep. You know what I mean to to do something like that. And and again. Maybe someone did get to see her whole entire phone number, but, you know, and the fact that, you know, people are talking to him about it, you know, the Sixers, uh, you know, I, I don't know the extent of that conversation, but, you know, I just, you know, it could be true, but I, I just don't feel comfortable, you know, like you said, yep, you know, to just run with something that I just don't know. Which I, I, I don't, don't blame you at all. So it's been a few days now. The Sixers came out with a statement saying they were launching an internal investigation uh, where are we right now? Do we have any more on where this story is? I, I saw your story saying that he's had conversations with the organization. It doesn't seem like ownership, from what I've read, it doesn't seem like ownership is going to differentiate between whether it was him or somebody associated with him in terms of how they decide this. So so what do you see happening from here? You know, I, I don't, ooh, it, it's, it's a tough one. I, I think that, you know, it has to be definitive like after this investigation goes through with this law firm, they have to prove definitively that it's not him. Now, the fact that it could be a family if, member. If I could stop you for a sec, you said that it's not him. So they don't have to prove that, yeah, that it's they have to him. Prove that it's not him. That it's not so, him. So he's guilty until proven, unless proven innocent. And, and That's basically the situation. And the issue there is yeah. the perception among people that he might have done it and therefore they would be scared away from the team or that he's releasing information so he has to prove he didn't do it yeah i mean it, you know what they say like we're, we're going to we're going to find out and figure out who it is but when 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 there's see here's the problem that he has with this whole situation okay some of the stuff that have the, the things no one's denying that the stuff that was tweeted out is not the way he and people in the organization felt about certain players about certain situations and you know so when stuff like that is relayed and people within the team or within the organization know that's how you felt about certain people then yeah you got to go it's all about public perceptions you have to prove unfortunately that it's not you and and then and then the fact is you know it, it, it's, it's like a lot of people say, and, and I even said it too, like, you know, I'll go home and, you know, and I'll tell my wife this and I'll tell her that. But realistically, I really don't tell her a lot of stuff about the work because I'm worrying about, you know, stuff that's happening in the household. Now, you may, like the Sixers get on a big run, she'll ask a couple questions, but for the most part, we're talking about other things. 
right? So then you get into it to whereas in a team-type setting, you know, the type of stuff that happens, like, for instance, Jalil Okafor not passing the physical and all that other stuff, it's really, you know, secretive stuff. Like, you're not supposed to disclose it. So when you go into a fact and you're saying, like, hey, you're the president of basketball operations and you're telling your wife this stuff, but you're supposed to, you know, you're not the trainer, you're not the ball boy, you're the guy running the organization and you're disclosing this information, it doesn't look good. And not only that, you know, it's like you're breaking HIPAA laws. So with that being said, it's hard, it will be hard for them to keep him, even if he says, well, you know what, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't do it. My wife did it. Well, how did your wife find this stuff out? See, and, and, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And, so, and, so that's the dilemma that Brian Colangelo has right now. And yeah, I know we said definitively that he's that he didn't do it. Everyone says this is America, and it's true. You're you're innocent until proven guilty in court. Of but in law, court not of, public of opinion. Law. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But in the court of public opinion. You are guilty until someone says you're innocent, and even there, 50% of the people say, well, who did you pay off? <laughs> you right. You know what I'm saying? But, but so, so he, here's, here's the problem as, as I see it. It's not just the perception problem within the organization and the perception problem of potential free agents and general managers that you have to deal with. The one thing I haven't heard discussed so far yet is what will happen to the organization if they don't terminate him? Is there any potential, especially since there is a release of medical information, that they could be punished by the league either by losing a draft pick or the potential that somehow they're not allowed to pursue a free agent? I think the fact that no one – I mean, that, that there are two great questions that you had. Um, I, I think the fact that it didn't say, oh, yeah, he didn't pass the physical because of – this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I think that they may be okay. The big concern that I have is if nothing happens with him, he lose he loses so much trust within the organization to where it's just a completely toxic job. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, Joel Embiid came out. We all know how Joel Embiid is on Twitter, right? Yep. Joel Embiid comes out and he says his tweet where he's, like, you know, making fun of the burner account, and he says Sam Hinkie is a better general manager than you. So was he right? – so here's my question. Was he was he joking, or was there no, a I little bit see, of truth I mean, in that? Of course, and, and that's what I'm, I'm going to say. Like, okay, so we all know Joel Embiid. That was his initial reaction, right? Right. So then he talks to Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN, and he comes back and he says something different. And then at hours later, he says, I'm only playing. No. I, his initial reaction to me was he was upset. A guy, he felt slighted, and he came back at a guy. And now when you talk to people, you hear that players on the team, Joel included, do not trust their general manager anymore. So it's one of those things is Joel is the franchise player. Joel, I hate to say it, but he has a lot of power, and he gets what he wants. He is the guy. So if Joel doesn't want you around, you're not going to be around. 
If Joel doesn't trust you, you're not going to be around. And if you keep him there, who knows? Some people say maybe we can work things out. But it's, believe me, Joel is the reason why people are coming to the games, why they're paying all this money for tickets. They're not coming there because of a general manager. You know what I'm saying? Talking about the fans. Yep. So Joel has the power right now, and so do the players. Is a player's league. So with that being said, I think it's hard for Brian Colangelo to keep his job. So what are they waiting for? Well, you know, I guess they say it's a due process. Sometimes people normally get rid of people at 5 o'clock on Friday. That's when <laughs> negative news comes. Or, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, like, again, it's going through a due process. Sometimes, let's keep it real, sometimes you, you work on um, packages. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like a person getting rid of him. I mean, you know, getting rid of the guy. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, you know, if like Colangelo, the one thing I will say about it, he, he's adamant that he had nothing to do with it. He's trying to fight to keep his job. And, you know, maybe he's prolonging a little bit. But I do think that we'll see something happening very quickly. Even if he didn't run the accounts didn't he have to have something to do with it in terms of somebody got information that was not public like the contrast i i find to this is <clears throat> as a reporter you've done your best to to break news about the team and so have other reporters this is not always the most open team specifically about medical issues and here you have an anonymous account putting out information that you guys can't even get when you're asking questions on the record yet at the same time the accounts are trying to persuade you to ask other questions about other people on the record. So that's the, the challenge that I see from that perspective is, is sort of the double standard the team has. Now, okay, Adam Silver does not seem happy about this distracting from his NBA finals. What's the time frame here for this to be resolved? Because we've, um, we got a draft in three weeks. We got They just extended the, the coach. We, we got the biggest free agency this team's had in decades coming in a month. And, you know, Brian Colangelo can't show up at the the talent uh, scouting out in California after this breaks. So what next? You know, I, I you know I, I think we'll hear something like quickly. Like you know, I talked to sources yesterday, and, and they said, you know, it, it's, they believe that something's going to happen quickly. You know, it could happen you know within a week or or not a week. You know, maybe the next few days. So you know, I you know it. They don't. They're not playing today. You know, something could happen tomorrow. You know, it's. It, 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 you know, I, I think that. I mean, I can't put a timetable on it. You know what I mean? Like as far as like, a, a, let's say it's going to happen today, tomorrow, but I do think it's coming soon. See, I, you know, talking I feel. to the sources I spoke to, they felt like, you know, is 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 basically they have to get rid of them and they have to get rid of them quickly. See, I feel I do feel for him. In this, in this extent, it, it's, it's a situation where we don't know the facts and people have already declared him guilty as charged. If it, if it somehow turns out that, that somebody did hack these Twitter accounts, everybody's going to have egg on their face and he's still not going to be able to stay. But they hacked, if they did that, they hacked it with information that shouldn't have been out there. Well, yeah. So well, it's still, the information still got out. So I, Assuming I it came from him. If it came from him. In any way, shape, or form, if it was his wife and, and his wife didn't tell him he, she, and she was just defending him, or even if it was his son, it, that, that he needs to go, I think. But if it somehow turns out that it had, he had nothing to do with it and his family had nothing to do with it, 
then I think that this is this whole process was unfair. But, but it doesn't matter because it's all about trust at this point. And Here, here's the problem the with that. Like you said, it, it is it's all about trust. And and then secondly, you know, the one thing is the the most damning thing in that article to me was when they called the PR person, right, the ringer, <laughs> and the guy says, uh, "Was Brian the only person you spoke to?" You spoke, and he said, "Yeah." And then all of a sudden, like, the accounts go private. Shut down. Were any you of those know, they, accounts following down. you, by the way? Yeah. Huh? Were any of those accounts following you? Did they? Oh tweet yeah. You? Yeah. All, oh no, I mean, you yeah, have less followers now. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, Everybody you know, listening, like, hey, please go but, out and but, um, follow Keith to replace Brian Colangelo. <laughs> but I'm be honest with you, the, the, the one honest Abe, I used to get a kick out of what he used to say. It was like, whoa, what's up, Abe? You know, then all of a sudden he went dark. I was like, what happened to Abe? You know, he used to always talk about stuff. But, um, I mean, seriously, but, but the thing is, I, I think that, you know, that's the problem. You know, that, that that's the problem right there. And I don't know if the guy knew that he was, you know, he was basically making it seem like it was Colangelo. And, and the things that were said, you know, were actually things that, we knew, like people knew, like these are things that were spoken of. Like we knew the relationship he had with Nerlens Noel. You know, we, uh, we all knew that the 76ers were frustrated at, at Joel Embiid for, for dancing. We, we knew that people within the organization, you know, questioned, you know, his, uh, his, his commitment to fitness. You know, so like when you look at this stuff, you know, there is, it's really not, um, it's not things that 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 we say. Oh, I'm blown away by someone within the organization saying that. And like you said, you know what? He could be an innocent person, but whoever set him up, like, and if someone set him up, they did a very good job of doing it. Now, here's something else, and and I wrote about this, you know, today. So, you know, a couple years ago, I mean, or or a couple months ago, when when let's just say Rick Pitino, for instance, when when that information came out about, you know, players getting paid and this and that by the NCAA, you know, Brett Brown was, you know, coached by Rick, you know, in, in college and this and that. And, and even like, la- like, like last year when stuff happened, when Rick Bertino was suspended or whatever, you know, Brett Brown says, hey, I don't know what, what happened. Um, but Rick Pitino was my coach. I stand by him. I always stand by him. How come no one publicly had a statement about Brian saying how they stand by him? I was wondering that exact same thing. I, I, I mean, you saw the Brett Brown extension news come out with comments that clearly were pre-approved by Brian for that release at that time, but nobody has really come out to defend him. It's no, been no radio no silence. The only statement's been from the Sixers saying these are serious allegations and we're going to investigate it. He's just out there hanging. Yeah, exactly. And so to me, I'm like, whoa, like, you know, where's the brotherhood? You, you know what I mean? So then I contacted someone, you know, in the league, and I said, you know, uh, is, 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 like, what do you think? Why? And he says, well, Keith, you know, people are, are afraid to, like, you know, say something, and he—it he, turns out that he's that he's guilty. They want to wait till the facts come out. So it's kind of like, and then you hear some people saying like, "Well, maybe he, you know, he maybe he did do something like that because 
you know, he's emotional, he's this, he's that. So it's kind of like, to me, that's damning in itself that you have people within your own organization who aren't backing you up publicly. Now, yeah, somebody probably called him on the cell phone and said, hey, man, I, you know, I feel for you, you know, everything will work out. But, but show him some love. You know, right now, like back them up. Back yeah, there's, them up. There's nobody who's got his back. So before we ask you about last night's crazy game in the finals, before we let you go, if he doesn't survive this, who's next? You know, um, I, I would think that you, you go after the guy with the biggest name, a guy who can draw free agents, um, especially the free agent you think that you want to go after, and LeBron James. I mean, I would, I would, I would strongly consider David Griffin. I mean, I, I really would. I would, I would consider him. Now, here's the thing, and I know I said a guy who can go after LeBron James. You know, I don't think at this particular stage in his career. Now, if David Griffin was here, it would be great for LeBron James. But I don't think LeBron James is going to basically base his decision off of a general manager. You know what I mean? But. I think a general manager would really base his decision off of LeBron James coming, you know what I mean? But I think that David Griffin, you know, to the sources that I talk to, everyone thinks that if Brian Colangelo is not the general manager, that's a guy that you have to go, you know, go after. Now you gave us something to watch and follow, Keith. Huh? (laughs) Now you gave us something to watch and follow over the coming days. Because I I kept asking Jeff, would they promote internally where they have somebody internally or they bring like the Elton brand up from the 87 or or the blue coats now? Um, I mean, you could, but the thing is, and there's nothing against Elton. I think Elton, you know, is is great at what he does, but he's also a a, a first year executive, you know? So, and and then you, you look at Mark Eversley, you know, who, you know, all these guys, it would be a promotion, you know, it just would be a promotion. And, and but you know this is supposed to be the biggest free agency period in a long time for the 76ers which is what's so maddening about this happening right now is yeah. fans who have suffered through the process and everything you get to that point and here you got your general manager why don't we just offer the position to lebron <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of LeBron, um, it probably took everything in his power to walk away from J.R. Smith last night. Can you explain to me the brain fart that occurred Mm -hmm. at the very end of the game where J.R. Smith got a rebound under the basket and decided to dribble out time, making Jeff feel better about his Chris Webber debacle when he was back in his college days? (laughs) Nah, I I really can't explain (laughs) that one. You know, it was funny because, like, you know, I kept like. I kept like replaying it, like, Oop, let me see that again, let me see that again. What is he doing? What is he doing? I could not you know? believe it. And yeah, I, I felt, in, in a way, I kind of felt bad for J.R. Smith because, you know, he didn't mean to do it. I mean, he just lost track of what was going on. Yeah, but he has but a history of that. I don't think he meant that. to do it at all. But I, I really felt bad for him. I and I mean, look, LeBron put up fifty points, fifty-one points. I mean, he. He took over, and then the minute they got to overtime, they just got their doors blown off. Yeah, but but here, here's my, my problem is that J.R. Smith clearly did not know what the score was. A- and now he's coming out and saying, of course I knew what the score was, and I'm not sure why he's using that defense because that makes him look worse. <laughs> why, why, if you knew the score was tied 
and had an easy putback, would you turn your back to the basket and run away from it? Well, actually, so Keith, on that, are they all so— Wait, wait. (laughs) But I have a question for Keith on that because I think they're so all cowered by LeBron. Yeah. That he was, he, he knew he had to get the ball to LeBron for the last. No, shot. that's not true with LeBron. Nah, that's not true. <laughs> Le, Le, LeBron, the biggest criticism of LeBron over the years is that he doesn't take the big shot. I know that he always looks to pass. So, so there's no way that J.R. Smith at that moment when he's got the rebound, he didn't want that and shot. Has the clear shot. He did to the not ba- want that shot. It's a shot. layup. Nobody was asking him to take a three pointer. He didn't want the shot. He All clearly right. walked Keith, it out. Keith, weigh, weigh in here. <laughs> I mean, I'm with you. I, I honestly think that he didn't know what the score was. You know, he wasn't thinking. He thought that they had the game, and he was going to clear out. And then when LeBron told him, man, what are you doing? Then he, threw the, then he passed the ball in the corner. You know, that was, that's what happened. I think he, he, like you said, he just forgot what the score was. And, and, again, you're right. It's a dead ball situation, and it's that late in the game. Everyone – even even like the water boy at the end of the bench should know what the score is. You know what I mean? I did. I was watching it at home. The happiest you know, guy that, know that happened and, was George Hill because he missed the foul shot <laughs> that could have put him up, and nobody's talking about that. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I, I think, you know, in, in my opinion, when the game really turned to me, when I, I felt like they were going to lose this game, was when LeBron had – what was a charge called against turned him. into yes. a blocking foul. That was ridiculous. And I was like, wow. I mean, that was huge for them on the road. You know, I mean, I, fe- I felt like they lost all momentum at that particular point. But, again, what Jr. did was bad. It was bad. But in my opinion, when that call, when it was like 30-something seconds left, I felt like that was the game. I couldn't opinion. believe that they switched that call up. After so do they, do they recover? Wow, I don't know, man. I mean, like, you know what? I mean, let, let, you know, they always say a series doesn't start until the the visiting team wins. Um, you know, but you know, uh, looking at that game, it was a pretty good game. I mean, some people are always going to say they talk about missed shots and missed opportunities, but I felt like it was a good game, and and I feel like, you know, they possibly could, you know, win in game two. Um, I, I think LeBron might have to score fifty seven. <laughs> <laughs> but I still think that it, 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 there's still a chance, you know. I mean, let's think it. Let's, like, as bad as, you know, you're looking at that game and you're saying, wow, Cleveland's close. Like, I thought that they were going to get blown out. And the fact that it was close and it's on the road, you know, I, you know, I, I'm giving them a little chance. I don't know if they'll win the series, but, you know, I, I think that it could at least go six games. Well, we will be following your uh, your reporting on what happens with Colangelo. And your Twitter account. And your Twitter account. All of them. Uh, Pompeii on Sixers for people looking to, to follow and, and see what the latest news is. Uh, we appreciate you coming on and explaining it all to us, and uh, we hope that J.R. Smith can figure out where the basket is the next game. <laughs> that, that, okay. Thanks so much, Keith. All right, thanks for having me. Have fellas. a great one, man. All right. So, Jeff, are you setting up some fake Twitter accounts now? Sure. What the heck? I mean, I don't know what. I mean, why would you do that? Uh, even even if you look, even if you're a caring spouse that's tired of their 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 husband or wife being criticized, don't do it behind a Twitter. Nothing good could have happened. How long did they think they would get away with that in today's day and age? Jeff, we're gonna go to break in thirty seconds, yeah. but I'm gonna give you thirty seconds to talk about what you saw with the Vegas Golden Knights pregame show the <laughs> other night. It's Vegas. It's total cheese. It was 
Uh, only only in Vegas was this permissible, by the way. You texting me the, asking if I was watching the pre-show for the hockey I, game was I have hilarious. never laughed at a sporting event. <laughs> your family so came in questioning the, your laughter. The, I was laughing so loud, scared the dog out of the room. The family sitting there going, what's so funny? And I go, it's the opening of the Vegas Knights game. They're shooting fake arrows and there's fake catapults and people with sword fights. I think you're jealous. Please, just somebody... Start the game because the hockey games are so good. I think you're jealous. The hockey games are very Holpe good. Holpe made just an amazing that save. That save by the- Braden Holpe with two minutes left was unbelievable. And the camera angles that they got to capture it were just spectacular. It's going to be another seven-game Stanley Cup and every minute matters. I hope so because I, I have been enjoying it. Uh, why don't we hit the break? When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, a little bit about what's going on in the minor leagues. A lot of movement. Talking about our trip to Reading tomorrow. Talking about our trip to Lehigh last week, a few weeks ago, with an interview with co- manager Gary Jones. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey. Those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome to our Phillies High Hopes Minor League Rundown segment. Jeff, crack of the bat, roar of the crowd. You ready for baseball? People moving around. People are moving around. Um, we had all kinds of plans tomorrow to go to Reading and interview certain players. We're still going to go to Reading, but some of those players are going to be in Lehigh Valley. People move, people come. I mean, that's that's the life of minor league baseball and major league baseball. It's all these guys moving around. I mean, we should probably start with the guys that have moved up to the show for the first time this week because there's been a lot of them. So let's talk about the movement. Mm-hmm. Then let's talk about the draft. Then let's talk about the teams. And then we'll have the interview with the manager. So l- why don't we start with with the star? Okay. Which is Sir Anthony Dominguez. Which Who? they they must be those jerseys now must be rolling off the shelves, don't you think? He's got to be the closer soon. He's he's the closer. He pitched two innings yesterday. He's so, dom- I he's mean, dominant. He, he the the stats that he has put up at every level. He's been at three levels and it's only June 1st. And at this level with with no prior experience in the major leagues and formerly as a a starter, not a reliever. He's pitched 15 innings. You want to fill me in on the rest of that? Because it's just dumbfounding. He's in 11 games. He's faced 43 batters, allowed just two hits with 15 strikeouts. Only three people have reached base against him so far. He's got two saves and a 0.00 earned run average. He's the closer. He should be. 
So so now Vinny better learn how to start and throw more than five innings because there's no place to put him in the bullpen. So we've got some other injuries this week. Reese Hoskins heads to the DL after fouling a ball off his face and breaking his jaw. The good news he is doesn't he need doesn't surgery, need surgery. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it may be good for him to take a step back. He was struggling a little bit, pressing. So you know. I actually think it's going to be good to have – Look, I don't want Hoskins out of the lineup. You're looking but for if he's got to be. You're looking for a set lineup in the outfield. I am. And I, th- I, know you I think that those three outfielders cover a ton of ground. And I think that for pitchers, they're going to be really happy having that It's a better defense. defensive outfield. Did you see Altharis play yesterday? Yeah, it was spectacular. Yeah. I it mean, was it, very good. That's the kind of – he's a center fielder, and he can cover that much ground in right. And and you got Nick, who can cover just as much. Pedro Florimon also broke his foot. So yeah, now we have Dylan Cousins. In the big show, well, and yeah, have you have Mitch Walding. Mitch Walding came up, and you know he had a tough first game. He did. See, this is my my concern with Mitch has been is that he started to develop power. Last year, he had twenty five home runs at Double A. That was the first year he had. I think he had thirteen the year before. This year, he was doing well. He was hitting for power. He doesn't drive in a lot of runs, and I and I worried if you remember when I tweeted about his stats when he was called up. The one tweeted on our at High Hopes Phil's Twitter account yes. so that people can follow where Jeff and his son regularly update the starting lineups, uh, alumni from Philly's organization that are hot, players on the move, players doing things. Uh, it's actually really fun, and, and I learn a lot watching you manage that Twitter account. So it, it, it's a lot of fun to, to follow it. And with that, the one, if you call it negative stat, that was, was put on there when he came up was the number of strikeouts he has. And it worried me. That, that he has not mastered the breaking ball yet. And so he came up to the majors, and in his first game he did something you dreadedly do not want to do, golden which is sombrero. the golden sombrero. Over for 4. He hasn't played in the couple games since. I hope it gets better. Well, I'm better. glad they sat him and Cousins against Kershaw because he can make even the, it, the exactly. best players feel. He, even even a, a semi-injured Kershaw is not somebody you want to face. Yeah, exactly. So Cousins they call, called up, and... On his 24th birthday, they called him up. That's a which fun which I birthday was, present. Yeah, it's a pretty cool thing to do. There was an interesting story about how he got the call while he was in the shower. Yeah. Um, so Always he got keep called your phone up. on. What worries me about him is his last 10 games and, and this season, he, is, worry you. He, he strikes out more than anybody I've ever seen in the minors. And it really worries me. Now, he was part of the Bash Brothers at Reading last with year. With Hoskins. With Hoskins. Or the year before. Hoskins figured it out, I think. Cousins is going to have to now figure it out at the major league level. If he plays, I don't think he's going to play a lot as long as you have Williams out there and Oduble there. So let's talk about the other minor league movement of people moving up now. Who has changed where they are as a result of these promotions to the big team? Well, the the birdie that we've heard, although we haven't gotten confirmation yet, is is that uh, one of the guys we wanted to interview, planned on interviewing tomorrow, which is Dominic Tomshay, is a third base prospect who has really figured it out, and he is having a great season. And the rumor is is that he will be promoted minute minute by minute. Is is what it seems like he's on his way to the AAA team. Yeah, and it's an easy ride. You just go to Reading. Yeah, Reading to. Unfortunately, Leo we won't take that ride to interview Correct. him there. But but the the good news is is Derek Hall, who was the Florida State League's MVP last year, who has got power to spare. Is he's a first baseman and he apparently is on his way from Clearwater to Reading. And if so, then then the good people watching, listening to the show are going to get to hear in the next Hopefully. couple of weeks what it's like for Derek Hall. Now for Derek Hall, 
I'm sure the thing that excites him is that he's going to double, double A. a. The tough part for him is is that he was literally just named to the All Star team for the in Florida in State the Florida right. State League. So, uh, you know, he's he's going to come up and and hopefully we'll we'll find him. Jeff, you're not putting any pressure on on Redding, but you know, for our listeners, you can catch the Redding Phillies on this station uh, at night. They have a seven oh five game tonight. You can hear the pre show before that. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, we had Cole Urban with another dominant pitching performance this mm-hmm. week, and and our one of our first interviews when we went to Lakewood was a was a guy nobody had heard of Will was Stewart. Will, Will Stewart, and Will Stewart has, was a great guy. Yes, and he has not lost a game this year, and he's got an ERA in the ones, and he has he. I want people to understand that when in single A, pitchers are not meant to pitch nine innings. It is it is a stretch of the arm that you have to do over years. So when you see guys pitching five and six innings at single A, that's actually a long outing for them. It's over time that they learn to do that. Will Stewart has this season pitched seven, eight, and now pitched a complete game shutout. This kid is young and he's got talent. And he, I mean, he wasn't a first round pick, but he wasn't a low pick. He's a guy to look out for in the coming years. Um. How how what will his process be moving through the system? The Phillies have always ball this year and no. Uh, Well, there's remember there's three levels of A. There's short season A, then there's Lakewood Blue Claws, which is low A, and And then Clearwater is high A. I think that Will Stewart we will see probably in the next few weeks in Clearwater. In Clearwater, yeah. And I think I think that's where he'll finish the season. I don't think he's going to jump two levels. Clearwater, by the way, is more of a pitcher's league. Uh, the Florida State League is than than Lakewood or Reading is. Reading more is a hitter a hitters league. What other uh, news in the in the farm system should our listeners be aware of this week? Things that are going on with the teams. Well, first of all, next week we have the Williamsport Crosscutters starting, and we'll be traveling there. I think June thirtieth, so people will get to hear. Those, and those, a lot of those players are guys yeah, explain that, that to, to fans who aren't sure where Williamsport fits in in the minor league system. Geographically, it's really far in Pennsylvania. Not, no. I'm not asking for a cartographer, Jeff. Yes. I would like to know so you can explain to our listeners in the I ranking know, of I systems, know what you're saying. Where do so, they fit? <laughs> so they are the lowest form of organized ball. It's a half season, which usually starts right after the MLB draft. So assuming you get these guys signed, now they have a lot of these guys hold out for a long time and then go back. One of the things I wanted to ask Dominic Tomshay was the fact that he's been drafted four times. Four times. So so you get a lot of these guys that get drafted, they go down to the, what's like an extended spring training, and then they make their way to, clear, to Williamsport for the rest of the season so they can get a little seasoning in professional ball. Also, a lot of the guys that they get from um, – other countries, Venezuela, the Dominican Republic, make their way to Williamsport. So that's the kind of guys you, you'll see. And starting next week, there's a three-day major league draft. So the Phillies, the Phillies have, have a the number very pick. high pick. They have the third pick this year. There is no Mike Trout. There is no Bryce Harper in this draft. So you're going to have to take the best available. There are a lot of arms in this draft. But, the but it fi- doesn't sound like we're going in that direction. It, from, from everything that I have seen so far, there's a couple guys. One is Alex Bohm, who's a third baseman, and the other one is Joey Bart, who is a catcher, who is supposed to be a great defensive catcher um, in college, and he's supposed to have better than average power in hitting. 
But for a catcher, the key thing is, can you catch? Can you be a defensive catcher? And I think that's probably where they're going to go. And for anybody that's asking, well, what about Alfaro? You can never have enough depth at catcher. For those it's not the aware, biggest trade I asked Jeff about <laughs> Alfaro before we were on the air. That's why he said that. So I'll admit Nobody's it. <laughs> looking to replace this guy with the rifle Look, I'll of throw an arm. myself under the bus when I need to. By, I the, way, the, by the way, on Alfaro, I don't know if you saw, there were people that were saying, uh, FYI, major leagues, don't try to run on Alfaro. Please. Please I, run on I him. I want people to, because it is becoming, watching him behind the plate is exciting. And but the, You want people, you want to see those throws. So I'll tell you what I find more exciting than his arm to throw people out. I like the way he's framing pitches uh, this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it has to do with the umpires being in spring training where they were working with the players on the strike zone. But when he catches a game, he frames the plate very well for the umpire to be able to see exactly where the ball is to make that call. I've been very impressed. You know, you don't see that from young players. No, That's more of a veteran move that, that he's ahead of his age in terms of his ability to do those things. And, and, and I can tell you he was behind for his age just a year ago, and, and the people that have worked with him, including Dusty Wathen. See, now this is where I – you know, you know my feelings. Shout out to your boy, Dusty Wathen. You know my feelings on Dusty. I think you need to get a Dusty Wathen jersey. <laughs> and the I num- really, I the really number do. 62? By the way, I was wearing my, my Bacon USA T-shirt this week. Were you? All over. Did you get a lot of comments on it? I did. Yeah. I did. People, we'll get, we'll people get you some. Now, now you're going to get some ostrich stuff for, for the Reading Flightons. Uh, look, I take free T-shirts all the time. But, but <laughs> people should not lose sight of the development of – all the guys that you're seeing in the majors right now, or a large number of them, all came up with Dusty. From the low levels, he he moved up with them. And a lot of the things that are going right, the development of these players, I think a lot of that can be uh, given credited to Dusty Waltham. Well, and, and so Dusty Waltham moved on to the big team, yep. and we were in Lehigh Valley a few weeks ago, and we talked to the new manager there, yeah. Gary Jones, who is in an office that you particularly like the boss hog office the boss hog office yes. which we asked him about we do want our let our listeners know it was a little loud in the locker room there so you may hear a little background noise but we did our best to to get an interview with the manager it and, is a party in the and, and get oh it was so much fun <laughs> and give you an update on what's going on with the team so here we go so we're in lehigh valley allentown with the iron pigs and we're here in the office of gary jones gary thanks for coming no problem uh, my pleasure uh it's always fun to so, 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 Gary, I we walked into your office and I saw the sign that said "Boss Hog." What's, what's it, what's it like to play in a place that uh, has all this uh, alliteration about uh, pigs and bacon? This is a great place. This is a fun place. I mean, but you must know that the Boss Hog thing was here way before I was here. So, <laughs> I think it's just whoever's in this office is a Boss Hog. <laughs> so. One of the things that I uh, noticed about you is you've had two coaching experiences that very few people in life have had. One, you got the coach uh, for the Cubs when most people hadn't even seen them during their lifetime. What was that like? Well, I mean, you know, it was fun, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, had a good run there. You know, went over with Rick Renteria in 14 and then, uh, you know, had the, uh, you know, pleasure of, of, of working with Joe Madden the last three years and, you know, winning the World Series in between. So, you know, it, it was fun. The city's fun. Uh, the fans are outstanding. I mean, they're, they're, they're just crazy about baseball there. And, you know, being around Wrigleyville, that area there, 
the community where the baseball uh, field sets is just outstanding. What was it like to be in that stadium and in the, in the, in then that city when that happened? Well, I mean, it was it was outstanding. I mean, you know, you just saw, you know, the elation from the people. I mean, you know, you t- uh, uh, you hear, hear people talking about how their 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 dad and their granddad and their great grandparents, you know, were all Cub fans, and you know, they just wished that they some kind of way could have lived to see this happen. So you know, it was it was just it was just fun to to, to be able to put uh, uh, that much joy in the people's lives. So one of the other things that we noticed about your background is that you coached in Canada, right. which, uh, as far as I know, prior to uh, looking up your background, the only Canadian minor league team that I knew about was the Vancouver Canadians. So what was it like to coach in Edmonton? Edmonton was a great city. I loved Edmonton. I mean, you know, I was there for three years and. And we had a great time. I mean, you know, uh, uh, with the Oakland A's at the time, and man, you know, the the the, the, the people there treated us good. The uh, front office staff there was outstanding, and you know, it was a little cold in the beginning of the season, but you know, uh, uh, you know, the only thing that was kind of a headache was the travel in and out, going through customs all the time. But you know, it, it got to the point where where it was. We got used to it, and it was kind of relatively flowed pretty well. So, but I loved Edmonton. It was, it was a great city. You know, the fans came out to see us, and, uh, you know, it was a good ballpark. So I, I enjoyed my time there. One of the things that's great about minor league baseball is the different levels of minor league baseball. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we went out to Lakewood, which is a single-A team, and saw and got to talk to Marty Malloy about what the responsibilities are for a low-A Coach, you're at the the pinnacle of minor league baseball. You're in AAA now. Do you and you've been to the different levels of minor minor league baseball and coached? What's the difference, if there is any, between coaching at the low A versus coaching at AAA as to what you feel your responsibilities are with the players? Well, I think the, the difference to me is you know the guys at the low levels have more to learn. I mean, it's you know, I mean. And, and so even the guys at this level, you know, just just developing. I mean, so and I've always been one to firmly believe that a, a, a player's uh, final uh, development actually happens in the, at the major league level. It doesn't really happen in, in, in minor leagues. No matter how many at bats you get in the minor leagues, no matter how many pitches you throw in the minor leagues, no matter how well you do in the minor leagues, the final. Uh, development of an actual player happens at the major league level. So, really, you know, I just think the difference that guys been at the lower levels, guys been at this level, basically are just repetitions. Guys at the lower level don't have as many repetitions as the guys at the higher levels. As a result, the guys at the lower level make probably make more mistakes than the guys at AAA. And that's that's kind of common sense, kind of makes sense if you think about it, because the more reps you get doing things, the less mistakes you're going to make doing things. So I just think it's it's about guys getting the reps. When you talk to minor league players, do they understand that, or do they think that once they've achieved here, that getting to the next level is going to be easy for them? Everybody aspires to play at the major league level. I mean, that's why guys sign and they, you know, sign to go to rookie ball and work their way through. So I just think, you know, guys understand that uh, uh, once they get to this level, they're only a knock away from going to the major league level, and it, it can happen at any time. It can happen to to when, when you least expect it. An injury, uh, a family emergency, uh, just whatever might happen to uh, you know get a get a guy to the next level. So I think all these guys realize that, all these guys understand that, and they go out every day and prepare themselves like they're like they're going to be uh, playing in the major league levels the next day. 
can imagine they get so close that they're they can taste it they're almost there how do you teach patients at this point to be ready and wait for that knock but not to get frustrated if it hasn't come soon enough well i think guys you know learn to be patient when you're in the minor leagues i mean most guys uh work their way up from you know each step rookie ball low a high a double a you know, triple uh, uh, A, maybe stay in triple A for a couple of years. So I think the patience is actually something that's learned uh, as part of their development as they come through the minor leagues. So, uh, you know, uh, 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 the thing thing about that, about guys getting in a hurry, you have to understand that, you know, there are no shortcuts to the big leagues. And we say that all the time. There are no shortcuts to the big leagues, meaning, you know, it's a, it's a process. It's a step-by-step thing. So when sometimes when guys get in a hurry, they lose that focus, and they try to they try to climb, they try to miss one step in order to get to the next step, and it doesn't work that way. So I just think the patience is something that's learned. We hear a lot about analytics in baseball now at the major league level. You, you've obviously seen the change through the years. Can you talk about how baseball is a little bit different now with some of the, the ways the teams are approaching things from the minor league level to the majors? You know, it's, it's different. You know, and the analytics part of it is probably different. But at the same time, it's not different. Uh, and what I mean by that is the only thing that, you know, in my mind, analytics validates what we've thought and, and done all of these years without the analytics. Now they're just putting numbers to the analytics to give us proof that we were probably right in the way we were thinking. So, you know, and so all the numbers and all of that stuff is, is, is great. And, uh, but, you know, having said all that, I don't think the game is the game has actually changed at all. You still have to go out and play. Guys have to uh, 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 catch the ball, throw the ball, hit the ball, run the bases, you know, make the routine plays. You still have to do all of those things. So so, so I'm, I'm a big analytics fan. I like the analytics, but, you know, uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get carried away with it as far as that being the uh, 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 final say-so in determining the factors of, of, of putting guys going out, guys going out playing the game because, you know, uh, uh, once guys go out between the lines and start playing the games, you know, sometimes your eyes tell you that you have to make some adjustments and, you know, during the heat of the battle sometimes the analytics you just don't have access to, the, to that to that stuff. I mean, you do your homework and you have, you know, your, 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 the, the stuff that you've done. Sometimes during the course of the game, you know, situations actually change, and so you have to go away from uh, that a little bit. So one of the, the one of the things that I've noticed about minor league baseball, especially AAA, is that not only is this the place with the most hope because you're the closest to the major leagues, but you often have players that have gotten a taste of it and then come back down. So they go up, and, and sometimes it's not their own fault. Sometimes they go up, they pitch really well, but they're do- there for just one start, and then they come back down. How do you how do you, how do you deal with the players when they come back down, and sometimes with their dis- their disappointment and dealing with not having them lose focus as a result of that disappointment? I think you know it, it'd just be just like you going to your job, and 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 and, and uh, your boss telling you, hey, you know, we'll go give you. Uh, you know, want you to do this job for for a couple of days, uh, 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 but then you do it and you do it really well, and then you know the person that you did it for comes back, and now you have to go back to your job, and it's you know so so it's kind of the, it's kind of the real world. I mean, uh, uh, and then the other thing you know, guys have to realize, and what I try to tell guys all the time is, hey, you know what, you did a good job. Uh, uh, they you made a good impression. They saw you did a good job. You know, it's, it's not in your control. So, 
you know, you can't uh, 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 worry about things that are not in your control. All you can do is now when the guy comes back, he has to make sure he continues to put himself in a position uh, so that when something else happens at that level, he's 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 put himself in position to uh, be considered to go back to the next level. So, I mean, you know, it's 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 just uh, it's just uh, again that's part of the development as as well. So all of this stuff you guys are talking about now, it's it's all part of the development. It's not, it's not always just the baseball side of it. It's, it's it's all of this mental aspect, all of this, you know, disappointment, all of the, you know, trying to trying to get there in a hurry and not taking shortcuts. All of that stuff is part of a, a player's development. So when you're dealing with a player development, I think at the minor league level, player development is is the key more than winning. So how do you, as a coach in the minor leagues, deal with balancing? Winning versus developing the players. Well, there you go. <laughs> winning is development as well. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you something. If 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 you're uh, the president, the manager of, of the Philadelphia Phillies, do you want players that have been losing their whole careers and come to the come to the Philadelphia Phillies and never learn how to win at the major at the minor league level? No. You want guys that has won and know how to win because at that level you have to know how to win. And so I think, yeah, development probably probably is the number one priority, but winning is part of development. So guys have to learn how to win. They have to learn how to do the things it takes to win, you know, on the baseball field. So I think it kind of goes hand in hand, to be honest with you. And so this year, so far, first knock on wood, Lehigh Valley's in first place. Uh, you expecting a championship this year? We just, it's, it's, we just go ahead and play each game at one time. Uh, you know, we got a game today, we go play it. And, uh, you know, each pitch, each inning, each game. So, you know, uh, we don't talk about that kind of stuff. We just go out and, 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 and play the game the right way. Because I firmly believe if you play the game the right way, you know, it's all a process. You just go out and play the game the right way, do what you're supposed to do. And then at the end of the day, uh, sometimes the winning is the end result. Sometimes you just get beat, and that's the end result. So, you know, that's the way we approach it. Well, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. There you go again, Jeff. With what? I want to clip that out where he says, there you go, when, he, when you asked about uh, winning versus player development. Uh, I, I thought that was interesting. I, I always enjoy talking to the managers. Um, they have a unique perspective, and for him to kind of push back a little bit and say, you know, yes, developing players is important, but winning develops players. Um, you know, we, we often talk about, you know, winning versus development in the minors, and, and he basically said that there is no difference. I thought that was interesting because then he immediately went back into coach speak. Yes. Which is, you know, all players and coaches have, like, canned answers for certain things. So when it got to, are you going to get a championship, he went back into canned coach speak. Yeah. But he came out of his shell for something that I think a lot of people think about, which is, when I'm watching a minor league game, while I want to root for the team, you really are developing the interest in the players because they're constantly moving. You know what it's like to go to a minor league team all year, watch the team, and then all of a sudden they take your players away right before the playoffs. Well, so you know that the coach's job is to do something more than win. And I thought it was interesting the fire in his belly. Yeah, in his he didn't response. like that. He didn't like that question. No, from but, and and I think he understood. It's he, not he I'm got not, it, but right. he didn't like it, and, and he wanted to make sure that his answer was clear. That's back right, and I think people should realize that when that when you go to these games, that you can count on these coaches. Winning means something to them. 
the development is through the winning. All right, Jeff. Two minutes left. We're headed to Reading tomorrow. We're going to see a really cool stadium out there. Yeah. Um, being, they've they've being redesigned it in the last couple of years. For yep. our interviews. So we'll have more on next week's show. And it's also, I think it's Military Appreciation Night. So they're going to be wearing special jerseys and have special hats and nice. a big fireworks display. And give, it's give all me, part of the show. We will have You'll have a report next week from what you and your son see when you stay for the game. Mm-hmm. I will... Be there for the interviews and then uh, come on back. Uh, give me one minute of stock up, stock down before we finish. So we got stock down is really, unfortunately, it's Tom Eshelman. What Tom, happened? Tom Eshelman was the pitcher of the year last year in the Phillies for the Phillies minor league system. What happened? He doesn't have a fastball. You know, he's a, he's an 88, 89 mile per hour game and he has not been as accurate. He's a guy that relies on pinpoint accuracy and he has thrown a lot more walks this year. All right, Mr. Gloomy, stock down. Give me a stock up. The guy we won't be seeing probably tomorrow, <laughs> which is Dominic Tomshay, who in You're his so last 10, 10 games, it was three seventy five. Everybody's happy for him except for I, Jeff. <laughs> I'm I'm thrilled for him. I can't wait to see him in Major League Baseball, and I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps it going in AAA. I would not be surprised if if they are not still high on Franco. That maybe instead of spending several hundred million dollars on on Machado, if maybe they don't give Tomshay a shot. Anybody else up? You've got 30 seconds. Yeah, and this this is for certain listeners who keep wanting to poo-poo Mickey Moniak. Mickey Moniak over the last 10 games has been batting 353. The OPS, which is what people were complaining about, is up to it was 861 for the week. He's had a couple stolen bases because his game is more speed and five doubles. And I just say to you, now his batting average is up to almost 250. It's give the guy time. Give hi- him a year at Florida State. League I highly await your continued arguments about the progress of Mickey Moniak and the rest of the minor league system. It's Thank practice. you, everybody, for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.